So when I was married in uh, Rock Hill, South Carolina, 2004, and uh, when, I, when I was married, I told my wife, I said, I'm, I'm never going to move back here. <laughs> I liked the big city. I liked, we were living in Washington, D.C. I grew up outside Chicago, went to school in Philly. I liked that big city. And, um, you know, God has a way of orchestrating his own plan in your life, and, and, he, and he brought us here. Uh, when we, we got married, Rock Hill was about 30,000, and now it's about 70,000. And it just seems to be growing all over the place. Uh, there's new constructioning happened all, all, over, all over town. And it's amazing when you see new construction, because you, you watch this new construction happening, and it's really just, it's kind of like nothing's happening for a while. Like you're driving by it day in and day out, and just as the, the construction workers are kind of laying the foundation, right? They're clearing out the land, they're laying the foundation. It feels like there's nothing, there's nothing, there's nothing, then all of a sudden a building pops up, Right? Well, the reason why it takes a long time to lay the foundation, because the foundation is the most important thing. So when we're thinking about the idea of shepherds and elders, really what we need to start is we need to start at the foundation of what a shepherd and elder is called to do. So if you have your copy of God's Word, we're mainly going to be in 1 Peter. We'll go to a few other places this morning. I want you to turn to Acts chapter 4. Acts, I'm sorry, Acts chapter 6. This is the, the beginning of the early church. What we see here is there's a problem that has arisen in the church. Uh, certain widows are being neglected in the distribution of food. So the apostles gather the whole assembly, and we read this in verse 2. And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, who, who we, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and the ministry of the word. The main role of a pastor, the main role of an elder shepherd is to, to devote themselves to the ministry of the word and to prayer. Notice that both roles are important here. Both roles, the role of, of a deacon, those serving, had to be men of good, good reputation, full of the spirit and wisdom. But the apostles had to give themselves to prayer and the ministry of the word. So when we hear this message in terms of what the, the shepherds do, you know, last week we looked at the, the character of the elders, the, the who of the elders. Who are they called to be in Christ? The week before was the, the multitude, the plurality of those of those elder pastors. Well, today is we want to look at what is the responsibilities of those elders. What do they do week in and week out? But whatever I say, understand this, it is done with the foundation of, of understanding that they devote themselves to the ministry of the word of God and prayer. That is the foundation of all elder ministry. Well, we see this back in 1 Peter uh, the first point, the first thing elders are called to do is elders are called to shepherd the flock of God. Shepherd the flock of God. Peter writes, the beginning of 1 Peter 5, So I exhort the elders among you. So this is probably written to a, kind of a, a traveling letter, but notice that one church would have read this. So again, it says, I exhort the elders, plural, among you, singular. Each individual church would have had a, a plurality of elders here. 
says, I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God that is among you. That's the overall arching responsibility of, of an elder is to shepherd. It's, it's to pastor. Uh, the word uh, pastor, uh, which we often use in terms of the clergy here in, in the States, is only used in that way one time in, in the Bible. But the, the, the role and the responsibilities is to pastor, is to shepherd. We find that right here. Shepherd the flock of God. And notice what, what, what Peter's doing here. Before he even talks about what the shepherd does, he reminds them of who is the, the shepherd they're following. He says, I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ. The first thing he brings up is the sufferings of Christ. How Jesus Christ, the King of glory, the, the sinless Son of God, suffered and died a brutal death on the cross to pay for sin. As we just read, the, the once and for all sacrifice of Christ upon the cross, dead and buried and raised on the third day. So even there, what does he see? He sees the, the sufferings of Christ and the glory that will be given all people who trust in Christ. If you're here and you have not trusted in the suffering of Christ and the, the promised glory of Christ, I pray that you would do so today. Christ says if anyone who would come to him, he will, he will forgive your sins and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. But I think what, what Peter's doing here is to remind all potential shepherds that if you are going to shepherd God's people, it is going to be hard. It's going to be one of, of suffering. But it's also going to be something that is glorious. There is something that is glorious that is coming for all children of God. The glory that is to be revealed when our King returns. Don't you just love to sing about when the King returns? When Jesus Christ will be our God and we will be his people? Famous Scottish pastor Robert Murray McShay said this in a letter to a friend, Dan Edwards. He says, In great measure, according to the purity and perfections of the instrument, will be the success. It is not great talents God blesses so much as great likeness to Jesus. A holy minister is an awful weapon in the hand of God. I think this is what Peter's trying to draw out right at the beginning of his exhortation is to remind them of Christ. This is our goal. We want to be like Christ. So as a shepherd, those of you who aspire to the office of overseer or shepherd, know this, the first task is always to walk in Christ, to walk in his sufferings, to, to trust and have faith in his coming glory, to live in his, his compassion, to see people as, through the lens of Christ, as valuable and in need. We know what the great good shepherd did for his sheep. He laid down his life. We'll look at that more briefly. So when I look at the pastoral ministry, I, I think the whole pastoral ministry is, is defined right there. Shepherd the flock. Shepherd the flock. Now we have a harder time understanding shepherds in our days because we don't have any shepherds here, do we? We have some, some chicken folks Got a few rabbit people, right? But we don't have any shepherds. 
So one of the, the, the tasks for us is to help us think, what, why is God using this imagery? So the, if you're going to really kind of understand this sermon, the first point, shepherd the flock, is kind of the overarching uh, message. And then the, the following points are really sub, uh, sub-points of that main one, right? Shepherd the flock, and then what does shepherding the flock look like? Well, it looks like this. First, elders know the flock of God. Elders know the flock of God. You see it right there in, in verse 2. Peter says, shepherd the flock of God that is among you. Uh, the first thing that a shepherd has to do is he has to define the sheep. A lot of what I'm saying today is really kind of drawn from a, a book I read a couple of years ago uh, called The Shepherd Leader by Timothy Whitmer. He kind of gives this overarching, uh, these overarching uh, titles, um, and he looks at it in a great way. He looks at the macro angle of shepherds and the micro. They're, they're, what do we do for the whole entire congregation as, as elders, shepherd, pastors? I'm using those words interchangeably, uh, as the Bible does. Uh, what do we do for the entire congregation, and what do we do personally, individually? I think these are the both roles of, 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 a, of a pastor. So the macro angle... One of the the, the responsibilities of a shepherd is to know who is among you, is to actually know who belongs to the church. Uh, We all have maybe heard stories of how bloated membership roles can get. Well, one of the responsibilities of pastors is to make sure the membership role is accurate. Why? It's because we need to know who is among you. Are we called to shepherd everybody in the world? Well, no, we're called to shepherd the flock of God among us. Who are the people of God? So there's a, a protection that happens to the church when we first define who are the members. So why in, in our congregation, before anyone wants to join uh, this church, they have to meet with, with me as the only elder now, and I have to hear their testimony. Are they a believer in Christ? Have they, ha, have they been converted? Are they regenerate? Have they, have they, have they been baptized in, in palm profession of, of faith? Are they living in that profession, are they living a, a godly life to the best that we can see? And then what we do as a congregation, the elder recommends them to the congregation, and then the congregation says, we affirm that, that leading. We affirm that recommendation, and we bring them into membership together. And then you are charged to hold that person accountable to live their life for, for Christ. It does the church no good if we just let anybody say that they're among us. Well, there's, there's fences and guardrails that God has given shepherds to, to do. But not only are we called to know who's on our roles, which we have a lot of work to do there, uh, but we're also called to know both the strengths and the weaknesses of our body. You know, as a shepherd, we should know the, the temperature of our church. So right now, I would say some of the strengths of our congregation are, 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 are many. We are a hospitable church. I tell you, anyone who walks in the door, if they are not greeted with love, help, like hugs and handshakes, well, there's something wrong with us that day. Because every day people come, they're just welcomed. There's the joy that happens with our, with our spirit. But our hospitality does not just end in here on a Sunday morning. We are being so hospitable outside these walls. Every week I'm hearing story after story about people fellowshipping together. So, for example, Adam and Ellen Landreth bringing over the seniors uh, to their house on, on Friday night to play, to play games. And I hear you stayed late. Right? Nine o'clock. 
right past my bedtime. You guys were hanging out there. Well, that is just the hospitable nature of our congregation. That is just normative, right? We, we love each other well. Over the last eight to nine months, our church has gotten deeper and deeper being unified. It's just been a sweet spirit of harmony and peace in our congregation. Multi-generational, people who are older and younger, different backgrounds, just loving each other as a family. It's a sweet picture of God's, God's grace. And one of the things that's just amazing in our church is just discipleship. People are discipling each other. They're meeting each other around the Word, studying God's Word together. People who have never been in those relationships are now actively involved in those relationships. They're not just outside of the family. That is within the family. It is a beautiful thing that I don't think a lot of churches have. It's a strength. And yet our church still has weaknesses. We have not seen a lot of conversion in our ministry. We've seen people maybe who are are leaning towards the faith, but we have not seen people who are lost, far from God, come into our, our ministry. That's a weakness. So as a shepherd, if I'm thinking about the macro ministry of the the church at How Do We Shepherd Park Baptist, we need to push our people to do more evangelism. Now, there's pockets of evangelism happening, but we need to to, to see more conversions. Well, are we not praying enough? These are the things that we have to to think through as as elders. And as, as I said before, we don't even know who's among us because, as you see here, we may have 115 here on Sunday morning, but we have... Over 450 on our rolls. If the Apostle Paul came here, he would primarily not look at me as the pastor. He'd say, church, why are you allowing this to happen? Now, elders are called to lead in that way, but we have just kind of let that slide. I read, I was reading this past week, and it said why church discipline kind of was abandoned in Baptist churches. And the writer said, Church discipline was abandoned, not because anyone thought bad of it. It just said Baptists just got tired of holding each other accountable. Just got tired of holding each other accountable. That's the macro version of what we're called to, pastors are called to know their, know the flock of God among you. But not only are we called to, to know it macroly, we're also called to know it microly in, the, in those interpersonal relationships. Uh, one of the books that I always ask our interns to read is a little book called Lay Elders, which we'll talk about more tonight. If you want a copy of that, I got one for you to talk through this idea of, of elders. And uh, one of the, the last lines of the book, best lines of the book, it says that a shepherd should smell like the sheep. That means you have to actually spend time with the people of, of God. You have to know what's going on in, in, people's, in people's lives. One of the best cards I've received this year was when one of our members said, Pastor, thank you for smelling like the sheep. One of the things that our responsibilities, pastors, is to know who's hurting. Know who is frustrated. Know who is tempted to, to walk away from the faith. Know who is dealing with a particular thing. Knowing which marriages are in danger. Knowing who are those who are, who are potential wolves, who are being influenced who are influencing our our congregation. That's happening. We have to know those things. And you can't know what's going on in people's lives unless you're intimately involved. Now, we're all called to know each other, but just take a moment and look around this room. There's a lot of people here. You can't know what's going on in every person's life. But it's the responsibility of a pastor to know. I should look out there, and I should have a general idea how you're doing in the faith. 
how you're doing, the big things going on in your life. This is why I think God wants to have a multiple, uh, a plurality of leadership. Because he wants more eyes looked at you so that the elders can know you better. Therefore, they can lead you better. So number one, shepherds know the flock of God. Secondly, the the elders feed the flock of God. The elders feed the flock of God. Remember, this is the whole, the foundation, the the, the elder pastors is to, to, to ministry of the word and prayer, devote themselves to that. We see a model in Paul's ministry in Acts chapter 20, verse 20. Paul says to the Ephesian elders, when he was shepherding and caring for them, he says, I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable. Declaring, preaching the word of God to you, teaching you in public and from house to house. So there's these two aspects again. The, the, micro, the macro of, of an elder is to feed the congregation with the word of God Sunday after Sunday, morning and night. Second Timothy 4 verse 1 and 2 says this, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is the judge, the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach The word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. Pastor's main responsibility is to feed, to shepherd the flock through the preaching of the word. So if you're not here to hear the preaching of the word, we can't really shepherd well. So all the time I spend in my study thinking and praying for this word over this word for you is is kind of empty if you're not, not here. And yet God says in a charge that is very, very daunting, in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, by his appearing, his kingdom, who is going to judge the living and the dead, preach the word. So as a congregation, if your pastors are not preaching the word, you get new pastors. Always get new pastors if they're not preaching the word of God. They're called to be fed with the word of the Lord. And we, we, by, by God's grace, you love the Word of God here. Another strength of our congregation, you love hearing the Word of God. Praise God how much you love the Word. And how much when, I've heard this two times in, in the last week. Beautiful thing as a pastor. Members of our church go to other gatherings. One was a gathering, one was a church service. And they were angry that the Word of God was not preached. They were angry that the gospel was not preached in the message. Now, it's not good that the gospel wasn't preached there. But there is pastoral pride that wells up when I see the people of God at Park who love the word so much that they're angry when it's not preached. That is a good and glorious thing. We want to feed as, as shepherds. But not only from the macro do we have the preaching of the word, but we also over, oversee the word ministry of the church. You know, the word ministry of the church is not only on Sunday morning from the pulpit. The word ministry of the church happens in Sunday school. And it doesn't just happen in Sunday school with the adults. It happens with Sunday school with, with our kids. So we had to make a decision on, on which curriculum we're going to use in our church. Now, we chose the gospel project. Why? It was because of the gospel in every story of the Bible. We want you to see Jesus on every single page. Why? Because that's what Jesus said. The law and the prophets were written about me. So we wanted to have a curriculum that would, would draw out that for our, for our kids on Sunday morning and for our adults. But not only that, we want our, our kids on Wednesday night to go deep into the Bible. So we've decided on using curriculum, Children Desiring God, and we want them to go deeper and deeper into the Word of God, to write that upon their hearts. 
But we also want to think about the affections that we have as, as, our, as we're trying to disciple our young people. So, you know, Rachel and, and Ellen and Angela are teaching our kids great music to, to write those, the word of God upon their hearts, and they are affected in song. That is the, the macro level of, of the ministry of the word. And we know the macro level, level of feeding also, it comes down to the, the, the ordinances. When we, when we gather here on, on Sunday morning and we, we celebrate baptisms and the, and the Lord's Supper. As, as a pastor, I try to spend as much time as I possibly can um, with you. I'm sorry, someone yawned. It was great. <laughs> exactly what you want to hear as a preacher. Yeah. Um. <laughs> it was my son. Uh. <laughs> All right, recover. So here's why I want to spend as much time as I do in discipleship and small groups, because my job is to feed you, as Paul said, publicly and from house to house. So if I come to your house, I want to have my Bible ready. I want to open God's word with you. I want to spend time with our seniors on, on Tuesdays, the, the, the first and third Tuesday of the month, when we go deep into the word of God, right? Talking about the hypostatic union this past Tuesday, right? I want to do that in discipleship of our college students on Tuesday night. I want to do that with our men on Tuesday morning at 630. I want to spend time with you because I want you to be fed the word of God. And it doesn't just happen here from the pulpit. It happens in our lives. Because here's what happens. If you're being fed and you're being filled up, guess what? That is going to overflow into the life of our church. And that we are going to be a church that feeds each other and disciples and ministers to each other. You know, we have the macro, then we have that, that micro, you know, that personal discipleship. I praise God for uh, Chris Gross. Right? You know Chris. Chris does not like to be in front of people. But you know what Chris loves to do? Chris loves to study God's Word. I've had the privilege of meeting with Chris for the last three and a half years. We meet on Thursday morning. And the reason why we still meet after three and a half years is because every Wednesday, Chris texts me or, or asks me face-to-face, -face, are we meeting tomorrow? Are we meeting tomorrow? Are we meeting tomorrow? And yes, yes, yes. And I've just seen him grow so much. It's been a joy to watch. Watch him from going from a non-Christian to a Christian to a faithful deacon. Uh, even this past week, as, as a deacon of the week, uh, me and Adam were talking, and Adam looked at me and said, man, when Chris Gross is deacon of the week, he don't play around. <laughs> he is disciplined as deacon of the week. He's been here three or four times, and praise God for, for his ministry. Well, that's, the, that's the calling of, of, of all elders. You know, I heard a, a pastor here in town who, um, it just broke my heart. Because he says after he preaches, he just can't wait to go home and have his garage door shut behind him where he can kind of be away from people. That broke my heart. That is not the heart of God's shepherds. Our, our house is to publicly declare God's word, but if we are not doing it from house to house in personal relationships, then we are not shepherding the flock of God that is among us. The second thing, we, the, the third thing we see here is elders lead the flock of God. Elders lead the flock of God. I read the story of a, a tourist in Israel who always was, was telling his tour group that shepherds always lead from the front. So if a shepherd is going to lead their flock, they don't do it from behind, they do it from the front. And they were driving down the road on their bus and they looked on the side and they saw a bunch of sheep and then they saw a man walking behind him. And all the, all the, all the tourists were like, hey, hey, what's up? Look at this. So they stopped, they pulled the bus over, and the, the tour guide gets out and goes, um, went and talked to the man, and he 
you could see him start chuckling when he was talking to the man. He walked in, in, into the bus and he says, it's okay, he's the butcher, not the shepherd, right? A butcher and a shepherd lead in different ways. One is designed to, to take things from the sheep. One is to, to, to call it to lead and take things for the sheep. And that's exactly what the Lord Jesus did for us. He took it for us on the front end, right? And then invites you to follow him, right? So if you're called to be a shepherd, you're called to lead, right? To lead with your life, to lead with your words. From the macro perspective, uh, we're called to lead the church. And the church is responsible for, for, for pretty general things. Edward Clowney writes this, The church is called to serve God in three ways. To serve him directly in worship, which we're doing now, to serve the saints in nurture, and to serve the world in witness. Some of the macro things that we do as, as shepherds is creating systems and structures that are going to enhance those things, that are going to enhance our worship of God. And we do that in how we plan our services. So if you notice today, the, the theme of this message is shepherding the flock of God that is among us. If you look at the things in our, in our messages, you just see that weaved in our, our service. We, we have a, a, a scripture reading and a prayer of confession every single week. Why? Because we need to remind you week in and week out that we need forgiveness. And we don't want you to come into the church every single week feeling that you don't need to be forgiven. That you have to have it all together. Because none of us have it all together. We want to confess our sins. But then we want to remind ourselves that our sins are forgiven in Christ. We do that every single week in our worship. We give unto the Lord. We sing unto Him. We pray. That's what we're called to do as shepherds, to set up those, those trellises. Right, those systems that allow the, the vine of the Holy Spirit by the Jesus Christ by the power of the Spirit to grow. So we don't want to overdo it. You know, one thing that has killed the Baptist Church over the last 50 years is one word: program. Programs have killed the Baptist Church because we've trusted in the program, the trellis, rather than the vine. We want to see the vine, our love and our affections for the Lord Jesus Christ to grow. And that doesn't often happen through a program. Now, programs can be helpful, but that's just the trellis. If we have so much trellis, the vine is snuffed out and it can't grow. It's part of our job as leaders is to lead so that the vine can grow. But we also lead in a, in a micro way. Time and time again, the reason why last week's sermon was so important was that who you have as an elder is more important of the what of the elder. The who is the character. Elders are called to lead by example. You even see it here in our text this morning. Being examples to the flock. We lead by our lives. By loving our, our wives. Loving our children. By loving Christ. By, by showing people that we have an affection for the Lord Jesus Christ. We also try to model that how we love people in the life of the church. We pray that we have men who are godly, who love the Lord, that we can look to and learn how do we live our lives in this world for Christ. You know, I've learned so much about parenting and godly um, wisdom by watching Bobby and Jenny raise their kids. You know, even this past week at one of our, one of our meetings, Miss Helen, I believe it was, said, man, I just love Bobby and Jenny's kids, just how they, they're being raised. I just love them. And I said, amen, right? And I've learned so much from others. 
you know, the sacrifice of Stephen Brazel. I can't tell you the last time Stephen had a full night's sleep, right? You know, I mean, that, there's a lot of kids there. That's partly his fault, right? <laughs> but he's just sacrificing for his wife and just doesn't, doesn't sleep because he wants to serve his, his bride. You know, well, what does that make me want to do? It makes me want to better serve my wife and my, my family. This is the, what we're called to. This is what elders are like. We, we lead by example. And we also give counsel. You know, elders should always be approachable. One of the reasons why I think in 1 Timothy 3 it says elders should be hospitable is because people need counsel. And if you're an elder and you're not approachable, people will never come to you to wisdom, for wisdom. Because they'll be standoffish. Well, I could never talk to my pastor about this. Can I, can I tell you how many times people from other churches will come to me and they'll say, can I ask you some questions? And I'm just, why are you not talking to your pastor? But they don't feel that they can approach him. But you all are so gracious to offer my time and my wisdom to others. Thank you so much for that. Well, I mean, part of that is a gift from God. The Lord has given me a spirit that's hospitable. That's what all elders should be like, right? If we have a naturally sullen look on our face, we should work to smile more often. Inviting people into our life to give counsel to. We should be approachable. Lastly, elders protect the flock of God. Elders protect the flock of God. All of this is kind of woven together uh, because, beloved, we're all on a journey to meet the Lord Jesus Christ. My, my role as a shepherd pastor is to help you live and die well. Help you live unto the Lord and help you die unto the Lord. And yet we live in a dangerous world when there's many things that could lead people astray. There was an article in the USA Today in July 8, 2005, and uh, it told a story of how vulnerable and dangerous uh, a danger the sheep are. This is what it says. It says, first, one sheep jumped to its death. Then stunned Turkish shepherds who had left the herd to graze while they had breakfast. So these Turkish shepherds left their flock, neglected them to go eat breakfast. One sheep jumped over a cliff, and this was what happened. They watched as nearly 1,500 others followed, each leaping off the same cliff. The Turkish media reported, in the end, 450 dead animals lay on top of another in a billowy white pile. The, the newspaper said, those who jumped later were saved as the pile got higher and the fall more cushioned. Just think about that. One sheep jumped off the cliff and people just followed them again and again because of the neglect of a shepherd. This is why we, had, we read Ezekiel 34 last week. This is why we read Jeremiah 23 this week. It was the, the false shepherds of Israel who were not leading, who were not guiding, who were not protecting God's people. So God sent the one shepherd to do that for us. He sent the Lord Jesus Christ, the good shepherd, to lay down his life for the sheep. And then Jesus says, I will set shepherds over my people to lead them, to protect them, to guide them to that narrow gate. Listen to John chapter 10, verse 10 through 14. The Bible says, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. Pause. The thief is coming to steal, to kill, and to destroy God's people. That's what he's after. 
And not even just God's people, but the souls of men and women. And Jesus says, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them out of and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing of the sheep. Pastors should never be hired hands. Pastors should look at themselves as shepherds. Shepherds who are willing to to lay down their life for the sheep. So how do we do that? How do we protect the sheep? Well, we do it like we've already said. We preach the word of God. We form your minds by the heart and minds and hearts by the word of the Lord. We do it with the ordinances. One of the reasons why, before we take the Lord's Supper, I, I try to give you a couple of weeks in advance to prepare your heart for the table. Because the, 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 the Lord's Supper is a sermon in itself. But one of the reasons why I fence the table the way I do, and I say before you, you take the Lord's Supper, make sure that you are a baptized believer and a member of good standing in like faith and order, is because I'm trying to protect the people of God. I'm trying to protect those who are walking in sin before they come to the table. To, 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 to have them think to themselves they may... Um, be safe when they're not. Just because if I have this sacrament, maybe I'll, I'll be closer to the Lord. Well, you are closer to the Lord when you have this ordinance, but it's only by those who, who rightly should have it and those who are repentant and trust in Christ. One of the things I hope to do in the macro level in the life of our church is to reinstitute our church covenant, to, to actually read it, to actually know it, to actually want to live that way. All the church covenant is is saying, listen, we promise to live for the Lord. And sometimes you need to make that promise again and again. I want, to, I, want to, I want us to know that so that we can hold each other accountable. You know, in, in micro shepherding, protection is, 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 a, is a lot of the work of shepherding. You know, you really need to look out at the congregation and you need to know what are the dangers that face single college students in our church? What are the dangers that, that, that could potentially come upon stay-at-home moms or women who are in, in the workplace? Well, what about those dangers that come upon those who are dealing with chronic pain in their life or, or, or things that could drift away a, a senior at the end of, of life or maybe those who are struggling to build friendships or those who are struggling with financial issues? How do we protect them? Well, we protect them with the Word of God, but we have to know what's going on in their life. Because there are so many things that, that, are, that, that the evil one wants to throw into our path that to, to, to twist us and divide us, to, to, uh, to bring us away from the Lord. And you know what God has done? God has designed to protect His people with shepherds. He says, I set shepherds among you to protect you, to care for you, who are going to give account for your souls. When I stand before God, I will face my own judgment for my sins in my life. And yet I will face judgment for how I cared for your souls. God says, shepherd the flock of God that I gave to you. I gave you my children. Protect them. 
As we close, let us just hear again the, the great psalm, Psalm 23. Because all of this, we know that the Lord is our shepherd and the Lord oversees us all. He is the chief shepherd. And, and beloved, we are waiting for the day when our chief shepherd, the one who died and rose again, is coming back and will give us an unfading crown of glory. We long for that day. And until then, he says, I'm going to give you shepherds who are called to lead like me in Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me besides still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. And beloved, this is my prayer. My prayer that as I, as your shepherd, and Lord willing, as the shepherds who will lead alongside me, my prayer that Goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life and that you may dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Heavenly Father, we thank you for shepherds. I thank you for the shepherds in my life. I thank you for Mark Dever. I thank you for Andrew Taylor who shepherded and guarded my so, God, I thank you that one day you will raise up more shepherds here who will help your goodness and your mercy and your love flow and protect the people of God so that one day, Lord, all of us here will enter in to your eternal presence and receive the unfading crown of glory. And God, we Thank you. It's because you are the one who will hold us fast. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.